You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, it might not have been pretty, but I'm getting tired of crying about that. I have not seen a pretty game yet. Packers beat the Bears, it wasn't pretty. Beat the Redskins, it wasn't pretty. The Giants, not pretty. I don't think there's been a pretty game. In fact, I'm not sure what a pretty game really is. Well, I guess I do. It would be interesting to know what the cutoff is, because really what we're talking about is stop the mistakes. And there were a lot of mistakes. The drops were ridiculous. MVS, what are you doing? All year long, the problem has been Aaron Rodgers can't get him the ball. He's constantly underthrowing the guy. I don't know what the problem is. First play of the game, the guy has not been featured in a very long time. It's like, all right, you know what? We're going to break out the MVS. Aaron Rodgers throws a perfect ball, and he gets alligator arms. Just, just, I don't know. It's so far as his elbows are literally touching his ribs, like, I can't reach it. Geronimo, Devontae. But if we assume every single team makes mistakes in every single game, drops, Aaron throws, missed blocks, at what point, because th- there is an issue with hypersensitivity. Right, Kind of like how teams look at the Packers as getting all the calls now. Despite the fact that every single game, every single week, has bad calls, because people that hate the Packers are super hy- hypersensitive, every single time there's a bad call that goes the Packers' way, oh, here we go. Because everyone's just looking for it. Right, It's kind of like you ever, when you, you ever notice how when you're looking for a particular car, you see that car everywhere? I remember when I was younger, my brother was teaching me, I don't know, there were like three cars that looked kind of similar, like classic muscle cars, IROC, you know, I don't know what. But I'm telling you, those cars were everywhere because I was thinking about them. Like, oh, dude, it's an IROC. We're shopping around for a Honda Odyssey. Guess what I saw literally every other car, which, to be fair, literally every other car is a Honda Odyssey. But you're, you're just hypersensitive to it, and I wonder about Packer fans sometimes to where... Because our biggest concern is that the Packers are playing somewhat sloppy, we don't appreciate the team enough and are super hypersensitive to the sloppy. It wasn't good enough, and I admit that it's over that line to being, you know, I guess ugly. But I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Join the Facebook group, uh, like the Facebook page. I'm referring to the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, but also the Packernet Facebook page. Be sure to like that if you feel that need. What else? Um, That's about it. What we'll do is we'll take a break, and I will put a more positive spin on all of this. Not that it needs that much spinning, but I think it's kind of just staring us right in the face if we just really look at the full context of this. Because the the negative side is that the Packers just aren't that good, but they do barely enough to win. And I don't know if that's necessarily what we saw. 
I think we saw something that was impressive despite being not that good. I won't elaborate because I, I want to do that after the break. I don't know if you guys watched that Vikings game at all, but I got to be honest. I think the Skull chants in Los Angeles were louder than the Go Pack Go chants. The Packers fan base has a very, very good following, but the Vikings fans are really, really loyal, and they're really, really loud. There absolutely needs to be an invasion of that stadium. The Packers have every ability to win that game. They have more than enough talent to win that game, but winning in Minnesota is very, very, very difficult, and that dumb horn and those screaming fans make it all the harder, and you better believe this is the loudest that stadium has probably ever been, because they hate the Green Bay Packers. They hate that we're probably going to win the division. They want so desperately to just obliterate the Packers, because regardless of who wins the division, they want to prove that the Vikings are better than the Packers. If nothing else, we can go around saying we're better than the Packers. And the fans want that so, so desperately. There has to be an invasion. Download the Vivid Seats app. You're going to be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards. You get rewards points back when you buy tickets for things. They're all backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. And when you're ready to check out and buy those tickets to that Vikings game, and I'm not asking you to be loud and obnoxious or anything, just take up seats and don't make noise. Don't scream skull. That, that's your one job. Go watch the Packers beat the Vikings in Minnesota and don't scream skull. When you're ready to check out, enter promo code OVERTIME in the, uh, you know, promo box thing to receive a discount of up to $100. This episode of the Packernet Podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right, sports coverage that's always on and always free, always. It's been a while since I've uh, talked about CBS Sports HQ. Hopefully you've already got it on your phone. I still have it on my... It's a great resource for news. They are constantly publishing and constantly streaming sports news 24 hours a day. When I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I can pull this up and see the latest videos and news about the Green Bay Packers. They've also got all the highlights and news from all the other games that happen. And as I said, completely free. They've got no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at a fantastic price of free. You don't have to log in. You don't have to sign up. Just download it and watch whatever you want. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. All right, so let's think about this. Let's run with a certain narrative. The Green Bay Packers are a pretty mediocre team. And in addition to being mediocre, they also are struggling to kind of get going. Okay, so we saw the offense. We saw the drop passes. We saw the bad plays. For example, it's been it's been basically a year. I haven't seen the third down sack call since McCarthy was calling plays. That was uh, that was clutch. In field goal range, third down. The only thing you can't do is take a sack. Boom, sack. You're out of field goal range. That was a 2018 staple. You could almost set your watch to that one. If you were in field goal range and it was third down, you knew a sack was coming. Especially if it was third and short. An obvious running situation. It was always going to be all go. Everybody's running down the field. Take a sack. Punt the ball. All right, so this defense is uh, fourth in points. So I want to kind of reverse engineer what the, the score of the game probably should be based on the narrative that I feel that a lot of Packer fans and a lot of national people have about the Packers. And that is, again, they're not that good, they're mediocre, and in addition, they just can't get going. So they can't compete with the Saints, 
the you know the Vikings even they they just can't compete really. So a mediocre team against the Chicago Bears is probably going to struggle to get to 15 or 17 points. The New Orleans Saints scored 36. That was a massive outlier. If you look at all the other scores, 24, 24, 22, 20, 17, 17, 15, 14, 14, 13, 10, and 6. We went over this yesterday, but only four te- well, five teams have gotten over 20 points. Well, 20 or higher, four teams have gotten over 20. This is where how you phrase things and statistics kind of get a little iffy. But so they're a mediocre team. So I would expect a mediocre team to get around 17 because that's what the average is. It's the average is the median. 17 is kind of the number. However, they also made a lot of mistakes. They left field goals out there. They left touchdowns potentially out there, right? They had a lot of great field position they couldn't capitalize on. So let's just say they left about 10 points out there. I would have expected them to get somewhere around 7 to 10 points. Maybe you could say 14-ish, right? Somewhere in that range. The problem is it kind of goes the other way. The Packers had 21 points in this game. That is now the fifth highest total any team has ever scored against the Chicago Bears this year. The Saints, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Eagles are the only teams that have scored higher. And again, one field goal, and they would have been tied for second. The Chicago Bears do not give up a lot of points. And the fact of the matter is the Green Bay Packers left points on the field. So even with all the mistakes, this is one of the best performances the Chicago Bears defense has had to go up against. So it's true that they left points on the field. It's true that it was there were a lot of mistakes. But understand this. The correct narrative here is that the, the Green Bay Packers, even with all the mistakes, are one of the better offenses that the Chicago Bears have faced. Now, if you don't want to say it's one of the better offenses in the NFL, I don't care. I'm just stating facts here. I'm just stating the fact that if the Green Bay Packers, let's just say instead of that third down sack call, had simply run the ball up the gut and kicked a field goal, and of course you can't guarantee he makes it, but let's just say it was only three points left on the field between all the drops and everything else. One field goal gives the Packers 24 points, which only one team has scored more than 24 points, and that was the Saints. The Chicago Bears defense isn't what it was, but it's still a very good defense. And by the way, Akeem Hicks was back, and he single-handedly wrecked this game a lot of the time. And a lot of these teams did not have to face Akeem Hicks. What would the Green Bay Packers have done minus Akeem Hicks? And that, that's really beside the point. But it kind of goes to show what the Packers offense is in comparison to every other offense the Chicago Bears have faced this year. Of course I would have liked to see better. But again, the proper context, the difference between them not making mistakes and making mistakes. With the mistakes, they win the game, and by a margin that is pretty healthy considering this Chicago Bears defense. Without the mistakes, this is one of only two teams to absolutely dominate the Chicago Bears. And really, the Saints didn't necessarily dominate because the Chicago Bears scored 25 points in that game. I mean, it was 11-point difference, but the Bears didn't... It would have been probably the biggest trouncing the Bears have had all year if the Packers didn't make those mistakes. That's the difference. That's the correct context here. And yeah, going up against the Vikings, probably you can't be making those mistakes. That could be the difference between winning and losing. I get all that. But I don't want to fall into the trap of saying that this offense isn't very good. In other words, if they weren't making mistakes, maybe it would be a decent offense, a pretty good offense. This was an impressive showing against the Bears. And yes, the the narrative is a correct one. The one that says, I don't want to hear it because we're 11-3, and three, that one. It's true. I said this probably two weeks ago, but it holds even more true the more they win. There's never been a really bad 11-3 and team. Never. If you want to go through history and find me that one, go ahead. 
The fact of the matter is, as I, I don't know who it was, I think it was Balaga, but all of them have said it, it is very hard to win in the NFL. And that's true, and there's something to be said about finding a way to win hardening at just the right time. And when I did my interviews last week for the Chicago Bears podcast, I told them that this was going to happen. The Packers' offense would stall, the Packers' defense would start to open up, and the Bears are going to have to be able to take advantage of that opportunity to win the game. But the Packers have been really stingy and have been great at, at, although those two realities are there between the offense and the defense completely just quitting, or seemingly quitting, they allow just enough slack to let it be close, but do not let the team win. And they have not let a team win. They've got three losses, but it's never been from a team coming back and just clawing their way back and shoot. If we would have just kept the foot on the gas, everything would have been fine. The Packers typically either get beat real bad or they win. The Eagles game was the only one that was even a little bit close. And that was a seven-point game, but the Eagles were pretty dominant that entire game. The defense just couldn't do anything. The only other two losses, the 49ers won by almost 30 and the Chargers won by 15. That was not, you know, a team clawing its way back and winning. That doesn't happen, which is shocking because the Packers give teams opportunities every single week. Every week, it's the same thing over and over, but they don't lose. And again, that's impressive. And guess what? Ring, ding, 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 sound the alarm bells. The Packers are in the playoffs. It's official. They're in. They could lose out the rest of the season, which is only two games, But they're in. And I know this isn't really how things work, but let's admire for a moment the Dallas Cowboys beat the Rams by 44-21, to and the Bears' defense essentially shut that offense down and allowed only 24 points. Let's also admire the other end of this. I know it felt like the D... And this, this happens every week. Every single week, you look at it, and it's like, what is the problem with this defense? I'm so sick of them not doing anything. And then I look at the score, and it's like, wait a... Wait, wait a minute. 13... How is it 13? The defense feels like it's just getting kicked 24-7. Do you know this is the third low... The the three lowest offensive points allowed for the Chicago Bears this year have been 13-7-3. Two of those games were the Green Bay Packers. This was the third lowest amount of points the Bears have scored all season, and we're sitting here crying. And again, yeah, it would be great if, you know, we weren't just giving those easy dump-offs. Because it's incredibly frustrating to watch an offense basically do nothing, have no attempt to do anything but burn off the clock, so it's going to be run-run in completion punt. And then the defense plays so soft that this offense that can't do anything drives down the field super easily. I mean, super easily. And then whenever they finally get a stop, there's some kind of a holding penalty or some kind of ridiculous nonsense that keeps this thing alive. Just self-destruct mode. And that's what I remember, right? I, I recall very vividly... The defense not doing a very good job. This is one of the most points a team has scored against the Bears' defense. This is the third least amount of points the Bears have scored all year. And I get it. I'm, I'm telling you, I get it, and I'm not trying to trash anybody. You fan, however you want to fan, I got nothing but love for you, man. We're all on the same team here. But let's just look at that before we go too far down the rabbit hole of this team isn't beating anybody in the playoffs. Because again, let's look at it and say, what if they clean up a couple of those things? What if Devontae stops dropping the the passes? Which, by the way, is pretty rare, so there's a good chance he's not going to do that next week. What if there aren't all the drops? What if we don't have Khalil Mack coming completely unblocked on a play? 
what if we don't call that same play? You know, just just what if a few of them? And again, there's going to be mistakes. Every team has mistakes every single week. So we have to individually, in our own mind, look at it and be realistic and say there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be bad calls, there's going to be bad plays and bad catches and bad throws. Every single team deals with that every single week. At what point, in your own mind, is it just a normal game in which the offense did a really good job, the defense did a really good job, but it wasn't perfect, and when does it cross the line into that was just sloppy? Because for the defense, I don't know that they crossed that line. I think you're going to have to push real hard to try to come up with that narrative. I mean, I, I would have loved it if Zadarius and Preston had, you know, another three, four sacks combined, but I don't think we can really complain. I think if Zadarius never gets another sack for the rest of the season or even another pressure for the rest of the season, it's still a relatively historic season. We haven't had one guy that's as good of a pass rusher as either Preston or Zadarius in a very long time. We got two of them. We've got, like, Clay Matthews in his prime on both sides of the offensive line. And Kenny is just a wrecking ball the last three to four weeks. And we still have Kyler. And by the way, Rashawn got his first sack. Which really doesn't even move the needle for me on Rashawn, if I may follow that rabbit trail for a bit. Because again, if you watch him on just about every single play, he gets to the quarterback. I know Adam on Twitter, his favorite thing to do is to just needle me on Rashawn and say he's terrible. And I, it's fine. I don't, he doesn't bother me. I think it's kind of funny. But, I mean, he, he sent me, a, and I don't know if he's just joking around or what. But he sent me a message like he's just getting dominated. I, I don't think I've ever seen him get dominated. I would love for him one time, which he did on the sack, to try to run around a guy. But his favorite move is to just plow straight into a guy and push him into the quarterback. And he does it every single play. He's got so much raw power, it's ridiculous. Every time I watch Rashawn, he pushes the guy into the quarterback. And if he ever gets enough time, he w- and that's the great thing about Zadarius Preston and Rashawn. Clay Matthews had one move, and if he didn't get there, he was stuck. There was just nothing. He would try and try and try, and the offensive tackle was just like, yeah, I got you. Rashawn Preston and Zadarius will get to the quarterback. It's just a matter of time. You have to get the ball out. If you don't, you're done. And when you put Rashawn and Zadarius and Preston on the field, you've got three seconds. That's it. That's all you get. You will not go beyond three seconds with those three guys on the field. And Kenny? Nah, dude, three seconds. Get the ball out. I'm telling you, for your own sake. Anyways. I don't know where where did that where's the entrance to this rabbit hole. I, I I just think it's true it wasn't perfect and it's true that it gets frustrating. But I also think that we're a little sensitive and I think we need to take a step back and realize number one we're eleven and three. Number two we are officially in the playoffs. Number three this is the greatest start for a Packers head coach in history. Number four this is one of the greatest starts of a any coach starting in history when you consider that the team had a losing record to begin with uh, last year. When you consider this is the first year um, for this offense. When you consider a lot of the problems from 2018 are carrying over. And Aaron Rodgers even alluded to the fact that we need to find some people that kind of fit the system a little bit. He didn't really dance around that. And that, that just goes to show that there are some people that just don't fit. And there's certain concepts we want to run and certain things we want to do that we just can't because some guys just can't cut it. We need this kind of receiver. We need one of these kinds of tight ends. We need more of this sort of offensive lineman. But we don't have a guy that can really do it. We're still running We're running a Matt LaFleur offense with a Mike McCarthy roster. Impressive, all those things considered. Considering this was a a very good point total against the Chicago Bears team, considering this is the third least amount of points the Chicago Bears have scored all year, and by the way, Trubisky actually looked relatively competent. Now, here's the thing with Trubisky. When I say he looked competent, I mean there were some throws that were really impressive, and it's really why Trubisky was drafted. He's got a lot of talent. I love ripping on the guy. 
But the thing is, every time you want to give him credit, the very next throw is just like, what in the world was that? But still, he kept a lot of drives alive, scrambling, throwing on the run, off his back foot, across the other end of the field. He has the attributes of an Aaron Rodgers. Before the Bears even drafted him, because I didn't watch a lot of tape on quarterbacks, because you know I'm, I love the draft, but I'm more focused on guys that I think the Packers are going to draft or, or whatever. But I watched a little bit, and I remember there were a couple plays that I watched, and I said, the only guys I know that do that are Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Despite some of those heroic plays, 13 points. That's it. Third least of the year. And this is, and, and let's continue. The Bears had extra time because they came off a, th- uh, a Thursday game. So they had some extra days to prepare. They've got all the momentum going in their direction. They're super hyped up. Trubisky's playing his best ball of the season or of his entire career. The offense is clicking. The defense is clicking. We got the whole run the table thing. And ever since they made that run the table declaration, granted it wasn't Trubisky or, or Aaron Rodgers or kind of declaration, it was more or less the fans. But ever since that declaration was made, hey, we could run the table, which is ridiculous, by the way, when you look at their whole schedule. I don't know if they're going to win another game the rest of the year. But still, they've won every game since. The Packers stopped it dead in its tracks, and it wasn't. it felt close. And at, at, at the end of the day, when you look at, yeah, of course, the, the stats in, in the fourth quarter, the offense just stalled out, just completely died. But again, what happens if they change their philosophy? What happens if instead of just deciding to burn the clock, we kept our foot on the gas? Can we add three points, five points, seven points? How many points can we add? And what does that mean? Because again, any way you want to twist it, this is still one of the, the best wins that any team has had against the Bears. The most any team has beaten the Bears by is 8 points, and that was the Saints. Or, excuse me, 11 points. The Rams won by 10. Packers won by 7. I mean, the previous time before that, and, and uh, Eagles were 8, 14-22, similar score. Teams aren't really dominating the Bears, right? 11 points is it. That's the most anybody has beaten the Bears by. So let, let's, let's give them a little bit of credit. And again, if we say we should expect better, and that's fine... Remember the proper context is this should have been the most convincing beating that the Bears have had all year, but it wasn't. It was just one of the best beatings against a team that, by the way, does have a winning record and does have one of the best defenses in football. And the only reason it was only a win against a team with a winning record and only one of the best defensive performances against the Bears and only one of the best offensive performances, but not the best, is because of all the mistakes. Take away the mistakes and this was the most dominant performance against the Bears all year. So yeah, should we expect better? Yes. Because right now this is a very good team that has the potential to be the best team in the NFL. We need them to be an elite team. Right now they're only a very good team. It's somewhat disappointing and I understand that. It hurts the heart a little bit. And and look, I'm tired of the stress too. And I understand how frustrating it can get. And I, am, I, I have made a pact with myself, although I'm failing, to try to stay off Twitter. Because I am just super negative and just... I... I ugh... I expect perfection all the time. I can't help it. I don't know why I'm that way. And I, I just tell myself in the back of my mind, you're being unreasonable. You're wrong about everything. I let myself fan how I want to fan, but Twitter is kind of permanent. And I don't want to put stuff out there that I'm going to regret, so I just try to stay off with negativity about the Packers. I try. Here's an interesting exercise that I tried, though. Because, again, with the whole context of it's only because we're Packer fans and, and we, we're, we're hypersensitive to it. If you're like me and you're just one of these, like, I, every time there's ever a mistake, it's like, this is the worst team in the world. Try rooting for a team that you really, really don't like. Like, just, just, I tried it against the, uh, for the Vikings yesterday. Just for a little while. 
it's unbelievable how terrible every team is when you try to fan the same way you do for the Packers. I mean, the, the actual emotion isn't there, but just try to react the same way. Suddenly, every team is terrible. When you put Packers glasses on for every team you watch, it's like you are the worst team in the world. Super negative people need to recognize that. You're only negative because of how much you love the Packers and you want them to be perfect all the time. I'm telling you, try it sometime. Try it tonight in the the Monday night game. Saints-Colts. Do it for the Saints because they're probably going to win. Because, again, the narrative is the Saints are one of those elite teams. The Packers are not. Despite the fact that even if the Saints win, they're just tied with the Packers. Forget that. Because I know how super negative people are because I'm one of those people. If the Saints win, it's because they're just dominant. Packers just lucked into a win because they're they're trash and they're just the Bears were just the worst. Blah 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 blah. Try it because you know what's going to happen. The Saints are going to have bad passes. They're going to have drops. They're going to have bad calls. They're going to have three and outs. And just keep it in context. The Saints are dominant. The Colts are not very good. The Saints are just going to dominate the Colts. No problem. Here's the thing. Even if the score is 35 to 10, there's still going to be some of those things. There's going to be at least a punt somewhere in the game. And on the other end of the spectrum, the San Francisco 49ers, one of the best teams in football, and that is true, lost to the Falcons, one of the worst teams in football. You know why? Because it's football and nothing makes sense. The only thing that genuinely makes sense is that we overemphasize how dominant good teams are and how bad bad teams are. These are professional football players, and they're pretty good. The Atlanta Falcons have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, right? They've got a lot of talent. Hooper. Pretty solid offensive lineman. Defense is rough, but they've got some pieces there. It's just a matter of hitting your stride. Every team is loaded up with good football players. It's all just context. Generally, compared to those football players, these football players aren't very good. But at the end of the day, football just makes no sense. There's no reason. It should be 10 times out of 10 the 49ers beat the Falcons. Forget the whole little Giants thing. It's, it's just that that should never happen, but it does, and it happens every single week. The Arizona Cardinals dominated the Browns. Dallas Cowboys dominated the Rams. That's weird. Philadelphia nearly lost to Washington. That shouldn't happen. I know Philadelphia is struggling, and at the end of the day, they did win by 10. But Washington was right there. At the end of the day, there's no guarantees. We, we can't come into these things saying the Packers are better, they should beat the Bears, and nothing else is acceptable. Because that's just not how football works. That's not how this works. There are no guarantees. I don't care if it's the Packers versus the Lions or the Vikings. There are no guarantees. And coming into this saying, we're the better team and I demand you win, isn't how this works. If the team gets a win, they deserve credit for that. Look at, again, 49ers-Falcons. If the 49ers had won that game, they would have gotten no credit because it's the Falcons. They would have deserved credit. You know why? Because this kind of stuff happens. Because the Falcons just so happen to be a professional football team. The Bears are a professional football team. Mitch Trubisky has incredible talent. Allen Robinson is a very good wide receiver. I think he's overhyped. I think he's way overpaid, but he's a good wide receiver. Tariq Cohen, despite his PFF grade and everything else, is a scary dude that can mess you up. And that defense, I don't care Roquan's out. We saw how good those linebackers can be, and they continued to be. Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, ha-ha. These guys are no joke, man. To say that the Packers should win no matter what, and that 21-13 is unacceptable, that's just not how this works. I think at the end of the day, the more I do this podcast, the more I realize the most true statement that has ever been made in football is just win, baby. It is the most true thing that has ever existed in football. Just win. And that's exactly what the Packers do. They just win. And really, at the end of the day, this whole pretty compared to ugly thing, it's only for us. It's only for us to try to see the future and analyze what's going to happen in the future. 
But the fact of the matter is even that doesn't work because we've been looking at these ugly wins since before the bye week saying this team isn't going to go anywhere. If they don't clean this up, they're not going to keep winning. Guess what? They are continuing to win, and they're continuing to win in ugly fashions. Anyways, let's take another break and then uh, talk about a few more things, maybe just look at some stats and stuff, and then we got to get out of here. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So something else that just dawned on me, I saw um, it was a Ben Club tweet talking about this is the first time the Packers have made the playoffs since he's been writing. Just dawned on me, this is also true for me. The the first year I did this, it was one of, one of the first times I started doing the podcast, and I remember I was watching a game on my laptop in the car driving out east for training for work and um, I started seeing a bunch of text messages and like oh no and what's you know just terrible stuff and of course I can't see anything and there's a delay and I'm, I'm using you know I'm like casting from my phone to my laptop and it's just nothing's working and I come to find out that Aaron Rodgers got hurt and that was the year that Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone so the, the podcast has been I mean I, I was on the verge of saying I got to give this thing up because I'm a curse the Packers obviously missed the playoffs for the first time in a while first year doing the podcast and then of course last year it was going to be this big bounce back Aaron Rodgers is back and everything just kind of went south so this is the first time I'll be able to do a podcast talking about I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm like I got chills just talking about it I'm so excited to be able to do that to be able to do this podcast in the postseason the, the idea that maybe I'll be the guy you know especially being in a network or whatever able to do a podcast possibly when there's only x amount of teams remaining especially if the Packers get a buy there's only a handful of teams left, and if they win, which is to say if they get a bye and they win one game, there's four teams left out of 32. There's the NFC and the AFC Championship, and that's it. And it's crazy to me to think that if they, if this team can continue grinding and continue winning and to get that bye, and I understand people worried about the bye. Like, you know, coming off a bye, sometimes the teams are a little lazy, sometimes they're that, whatever. I care about home field advantage, and I care about the fact that because there are no no guarantees, I'm not going to say, well, let's just go ahead and, and not get the bye and assume we're going to win in the wild card and then move on and then play on the road the whole time. That's just not a good plan to me. I would rather get the bye, stay at home, win two games, and you're in the Super Bowl. I like that plan. And they're right there. Oh, my goodness, they're right there. And the Packers have to know how serious this is in terms of beating the Vikings and having the opportunity to maybe even have the number one seed. That's unlikely, but it was also unlikely that the 49ers were going to lose to the Falcons. But either way, win out, you get a bye. There's nothing that can change that. If we win out, obviously the Vikings can't replace us in our own division. 
The Saints, even if they win out because of some, I guess, NFC tiebreaker of some sort, I don't know. But it's 13-3, and 13-3, and three, and the Packers win that. So the Saints don't beat us, and obviously nobody in the NFC West is, or East is going to beat us. And again, the whole West thing is San Francisco and Seattle competing against each other, so it doesn't even matter what happens in that. That just matters who gets the number one, whether it's Seattle or San Francisco. And more than likely, if the Packers win out, the Vikings will be the sixth seed because either the 49ers or Seattle will be the fifth seed, and they're probably going to have a higher um, higher record than the Vikings, meaning we won't face the Vikings coming to Green Bay because that will go to the number one seed, which is either going to be Seattle or San Francisco, meaning if the Vikings win, we would face either Seattle or Dallas, which means we would face Seattle in Green Bay, or if the Saints win, we would face the Saints. So as it stands now, we would get that first round by and then either face the Saints or the Seahawks, possible chance that it would be Dallas. But the Packers still got to win out. Now, if we don't win out, it's not guaranteed that we're not going to get that spot. The only thing we would need is for the Saints to lose one of these two matchups. One is against the Titans, which maybe, and then the other one is against Carolina, which seems unlikely, but again, Falcons 49ers. So guaranteed playoffs and... um, I mean, worst-case scenario would essentially be the Packers lose to the Vikings and then somehow lose to the Lions and then are the number six seed. In that scenario, if we win, we would have to probably beat the Vikings. Then we would have to go. So we would play the Vikings in Minnesota. Then we would have to beat the 49ers in San Francisco. So that's that's the unbelievable contrast. Win out, get the number two seed, play, I don't know, maybe the Saints in Green Bay, freezing cold weather in January. Hope and pray that the number one seed, either Seattle or San Francisco, somehow loses. And then the winner of that game has to come back to Green Bay, whether it be the Vikings or Seattle or whatever. And I, I just think there's a very realistic shot that the Packers end up in a Super Bowl if that scenario plays out. Very, very unlikely. And, and you know, of course, anything's possible. But being the number six seed, having to win in the wild card as opposed to getting a bye, having to beat San Francisco in San Francisco... And then after doing that, probably having to go to New Orleans or going to Seattle, depending on who wins that game. So it's 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 really really big. And the Packers and, and the Packers have done this. They put themselves in this situation by finding ways to win when the games are close, despite the mistakes. Still putting up admirable scores against teams like the Bears. Finding ways not to lose to teams like the Falcons, like the 49ers just did, because a lot of teams have. The only reason the Vikings are in such a bad position is because they lost to teams like the Bears early on. Those earlier games when you say, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't really start to matter until later in the season, bull! That's absolute trash. You know how much the Vikings are kicking themselves for losing to the Bears? Do you know how much that changes everything in this dynamic? Those early losses that you say don't matter and it doesn't really matter until you get to this point, that's such a lie. Every single one of these teams that's fighting and clawing and scratching, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Vikings, the Saints, and the 49ers, the Ravens, the Patriots, the the, mm, Chiefs, Bills, I mean, you look at these teams who are right there, there's, there's games in the past that it's like, we should never have lost that game. You know, for the Packers, maybe it was the Eagles. That team's getting kicked around by everybody. You could also say the Chargers, I suppose. Those two teams are just, a lot of teams kick the living daylights out of them, and we could be in a better spot. Those games absolutely matter. But regardless of that, the Packers are in a fantastic position. So if you want to be negative about stuff and you want to look at, well, that's not good enough, and this and that and the other, fine. But understand, they have the highest record in the NFC right now. I mean, it's tied, but still, they have a better record than the Cowboys, than the Eagles, 
then the Rams, then the Vikings, then the Bears, currently even then the Saints. At the start of the year, would you have thought any of that was true? Would you have thought we'd be number one in the NFC North, honestly? Would you have thought that by week, what are we on, 15, they would be tied for the highest record in football with a first-year head coach? I understand Devontae drops some balls. I understand Marquette. We don't have a, a real solid number two wide receiver. I understand Jace isn't where we want him to be. I know Rashawn isn't what you thought he might be. I know Savage, we all thought he would be a little bit ahead of where he is. I get all that. I know Billy Turner is, you know, maybe not quite as good as we had hoped considering the money we're paying. I get all that. Granted, all that granted, just take a, just, just take, do me one favor. Take the day and appreciate where the Packers are. Take a day to realize that in 2018 they couldn't even get to 500, and then in 2019 with a first-year head coach and a couple of free agent acquisitions, despite having a really bad defense and offense last year, they have the highest record in the NFC. Only one team in the entire NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, has a higher record than the Green Bay Packers right now. They are in the playoffs. We will see the Packers in the playoffs, even if it's one and done. Remarkable. Get excited. Just take the day. You can complain tomorrow. We can start talking about how they'll never beat the Vikings tomorrow. We can talk about all that stuff. Take one day to appreciate how awesome this is. Take one day to appreciate the fact that we still have Aaron Rodgers, that we still have Devontae, that we have Zadarius and Preston and Kenny Clark, that we got Amos, that we have Savage, that Rashawn got his first sack. Whatever it is that gets you excited, take the day and just be excited about it. In fact, assignment of the day, and I will put a thread in the Facebook group right now. Tell me the one thing you are most excited about. Kind of like the whole Thanksgiving thing, but it's different. Could say grateful for, but I think uh, Columbus has that trademark, so I don't want to get sued. So uh, the, the one thing you're most excited about, get in the Facebook group. Packernet Pod is the name of the Facebook group. You should search it. It should be easy to find. There's also a link in the description. Get in there and tell me what is the one thing that in 2019, whether you want to... You figure out how to answer the question. I don't really care. could do it a couple different ways. But what is the one thing you are most excited about when it comes to the Green Bay Packers? Anyways, with that, i got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll talk about pro football focus grades. Look at the highlights, lowlights, etc., etc. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com